what I say to myself matters. If I tell myself I'm going to show up on a Thursday morning, you better believe I'm going to be there on a Thursday morning because I find myself of great value and worth, especially to the Lord. And because I believe I'm worthy of taking care of, I'm going to show up and follow through on my word. Motherhood is beautiful yet challenging. You may be feeling lost in motherhood, but I'm here to tell you that no matter what season of motherhood you find yourself in, every mom has a unique journey that is worth experiencing. So if you are a mom feeling overwhelmed, are struggling with mom guilt, want to be more confident and are looking for ways to find you again, know that you are not alone. Every mom will come away with connection, knowledge, and tangible tools to integrate into her own motherhood experience. You deserve to be confident in motherhood with all of your experiences that make you who you are. So let's get started on being real, vulnerable, and step into community with each other. This is Experience Motherhood. Hi, and welcome to Experience Motherhood Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have a fellow friend and colleague of mine, another therapist here in Minnesota, join me today. Um, Bethany, welcome. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me. So like um, Liz said, my name is Bethany. I have lived in Minnesota since I was 18. So I don't even know how many years that is now. That's 17 years. So almost half my life Um, came here for college, stayed for grad school, and then met my husband. Um, We have five kids ages two to eight. So they're eight, six, four, and then two, two two-year-olds. And, um, we kind of do all the things that are related to kids. So our kids are in sports and music. Um, we're pretty involved in our church. And then, um, my husband and I both kind of work from home. So we make it work, just tag team each other and pursuing our dreams and goals, but still taking care of our kids. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's so interesting it's fun to talk with you because I remember us being in grad school together and like learning all of the things about being a counselor. And we both are doing those things too, but we've also kind of had our own kind of offshoots in recent years of that, as well as just motherhood, right? We weren't moms before when we were in graduate school. So a little different. Yes, it does. It definitely changes things, but it's such a good career for moms because um, of the flexibility you make it work with the schedule and you can always shift and pivot and find different avenues to use the skill in. Yeah, definitely. So I would love to touch on a couple different things today. One thing that I really love to observe with you through social media and just from knowing you is your dedication and discipline to fitness. And I think that story goes a little farther back for you, but can you fill us in a little bit about that passion of yours, about being fit and healthy and how you incorporate that day to day? Yeah. And I think a big distinction that needs to be made, especially for women and postpartum women, is there is a really big difference between the desire to be healthy and to make healthy choices and the desire for fitness to be a hobby. And I think that they get combined a lot of times and that can leave women feeling less than if being super fit, you know, looking at us having a certain physique, isn't what you're going for. You can be healthy without pursuing any of those things. Like health is drinking water and eating nutritious meals and sleeping enough and getting your heart rate up every day. That's health. That to me is a non-negotiable kind of for any of us as a form of obedience, but there's a difference between that and fitness. Fitness to me is pursuing like an athlete pursues a goal. So you do it for the love of the game. 
um, it's beyond health. It's for the purpose of enjoyment. Um, and that's how I see it. But my background in fitness kind of came from always played sports growing up. So sports were always huge for me. Um, and I love physical challenges. So I find doing physical things that are uncomfortable, very fun, which I know is not the case for a lot of people, but the more personal pain it brings, the more enjoyment that I have. Um, and I think that that can get misconstrued a lot of times. Um, but I love it. I love the sport. And so I started off playing volleyball, soccer in high school and then played soccer in college and then transitioned into running marathons. So ran my first marathon in college and then continued that after college. Um, and then then into half marathons. So I've always been someone who enjoyed movement, but I think I lacked some of the vision behind why moving can be so healing for us. Um, I actually didn't pick up my first set of weights until I had my first child and I couldn't get out for a run. And I was like, well, I have to figure out something to do in the house during nap time. Um, and so that was the first time I ever lifted. I was, gosh, I think like 27 years old, probably the first time I ever picked up a pair of weights. Um, and that kind of really spiraled for me into one of the biggest releases that I have in my life. Um, I believe when we move, whether that's through walking, whether that's through lifting, um, running, biking, swimming, um, our minds are renewed. And I feel like a little ways God can speak to us as we're moving. And I think that's a really crucial element that I, people miss is when you're not moving, you're missing out on so many of the benefits that happens chemically in your brain as dopamine releases, but also just the process of, I'm going to push through this. I can do hard things. It's going to be all right. Even if this is painful, I can do two more reps. Um, the benefits of that far outweigh any of the consequences that ever could come from putting some hard work in. You talked about so many good things. And I love that you differentiated between fitness and health, because I think even for myself, I often do just kind of combine them together but you're right. They're totally different. And especially for moms, you, whether wherever you are postpartum in motherhood, right. Just that idea of health that is crucial. That's you, you have to have, you know, drink water, you need to be moving. And I think you're right. Oftentimes, at least for me personally, that's something where I get really stuck on of, Oh, then it comes down to, I don't have time to <laughs> go move my body, but yet that's detrimental to my own health. Right. Yep. And it will in every area and sphere and also detrimental to how you parent is um, we need to move to renew our minds and even how we approach our kids through movement. But I feel like there's too much pressure on moms, especially to be fit, but not everybody wants to have a six pack. And so I think just even being able to stop and be like, I don't want to be fit. I don't want to put that time in, but I am called to be healthy and to set that example for myself, to show up for myself and say, you're worthy of drinking hundred ounces of water today, because that helps your, all of your organs function. Like you're worthy of making breakfast. And you, I mean, you talk to so many new moms who are like, oh, I didn't have time for breakfast today. And I'm like, Oh, like, heck no, the kids don't eat until I eat. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> They'll as soon as I have a cup of coffee and I I'm eating with them. And I feel like that's something that kind of has to change is it's not take care of everybody else and then scrape together somehow to take care of myself. It's take care of my health because through that, I'm able to take care of my family in a way that I wouldn't be able to, if I wasn't. Yeah. Can you, is there a time 
you know, I'm thinking of my own personal journey with that, right. That it is, it becomes very like sacrificial in motherhood to kind of, Oh, I need to serve my children. I need to serve everyone else before myself. And there's, I think some truth in that, that that is really wonderful to, to sacrifice things like that. But if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. Right. And so I love that you kind of said that even about the breakfast, is there moments you think early on that that was kind of a light bulb moment for you where you were like, I got to change this. This is not going well. Yeah. I think when I look, so I've been a mom for eight years. And when I look at like my parenting journey, and I actually recently had this thought in the shower of all places, because that's where all the good thinking happens. And then you forget, always, you usually forget (laughs) it when you get out and you're like, what was that brilliant thought I had? And you realize it wasn't that brilliant or you would have remembered it. But I was in the shower and I was like, you know, the difference for me. So I had two kids about a year and a half apart, two years later had um, my third, and then less than two years later had a set of twins. And when I kind of look at the difference between the first two kids and which I kind of grouped together and then the final three. So total five together. Um, when I had my first two kids, I was very child centered. And so what that meant was my whole life was my kids. And I look back to that season and I was stressed out constantly. I was always worried about teething, sleep schedules, napping, how much they were eating when they were hitting things developmentally, if there was an accident, what type of diapers I use. I was always very, very centered on what do the kids need? What do the kids need? I got to get them in music classes. We have to make sure we're socializing. Um, and I drove myself mad. Um, and then the, my third kid came. And I think at that point, I began to kind of start the process of opening up my hands. But it wasn't until I had my twins. So when the twins were born, we had five kids, five and under that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was the most freeing experience because I realized that my life is not my kids. My kids are an addition to my life. It's my job to love them, serve them, enjoy them, but they are not the sole purpose that I'm alive. My purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him. My kids are one of the avenues that he's able to use them and use me to enjoy one another and enjoy him. Um, And I think that experience of having the twins and just five kids, five years and under was so freeing because you're not going to hear me talk about my kids' nap schedules. They're maybe napping right now. I hope they are. I think they are. Um, the twins tend to climb out of their cribs because they want to be together. If they're wearing a certain type of diapers, I don't care. <laughs> like do they have diapers on. They're not potty trained yet. They're my only kids that weren't potty trained by two. And I'm like, you know what, when they're ready, they're ready. So, so much has happened in the sense of my kids are a great part of my life, but they are not my life. And when I finally could kind of wrap my head around that was when movement started happening mentally for me. And I was able to actually enjoy my kids and my life instead of feeling bound by motherhood or being yoked by the burdens that come from the demands that happen in everyday life when you have a handful of kids and you're trying to work, but you also want to serve. Um, It was very freeing for me to experience that release of, you know, like, all right, God, you've got this, even if I don't. Yeah. That's such an interesting way to look at it. Right. That I feel like, yeah, maybe it's more of a cultural thing, right. That we are so all about like, oh yeah. What about nap schedules and teething and all of these things that we try to set our kids up for. And there are like sole focus a lot of times, especially in as a new mom, right? Like we don't know what we're doing and you know, that's becomes our main focus. But I love that you said that 
it was freeing. And that's such an interesting term because you're right. There is so much freedom in letting go of some of that control. And you and I both share a similar faith in God. And so I can completely relate with that, you know, of letting go and just being able to trust that it isn't all about them. It's not all about me, right? It's about God. And even just that letting go piece is so hard. And I would love to hear, you know, if you have any practical tips or advice, maybe it comes down to kind of that mindset idea of how do you, how do we switch that in our minds to really let go? Cause we can talk about it all day, but then to actually go do it is, is really hard. Yeah. I think the first question that's good to ask is why are you holding on so tightly to certain things? Um, because I think we'll find any time that something starts to, to steal our freedom. So for instance, if I am bound by certain things going on in my home, maybe for me, it's like, I'm scared that my kids are going to misbehave out in public. And so I just don't take them out in public. Um, I have lost some of the freedom of life then because my main fear has become my kids misbehaving. I need to actually stop and ask myself the question of like, why does it matter to me if my kids misbehave in public? Kids are going to misbehave in public. I know that. And you know this, like, we, I think we have both the background as child and adolescent psychology. Mm-hmm. Very common for kids to be disrespectful. Very common for kids to test the boundaries. All of that is normal. And I think a huge part of it is determining, like, my worth is not dependent on certain circumstances. So I have the freedom to take my kids out in public and they can, three of them can have a meltdown at the same time. Is that fun? No. Do I want to experience that time and time again? No, but I don't have to fear it. Um, and so I think a big part of it is learning that there, when we are continually like fleeing a circumstance. So for instance, like leaving our kids for the night or not taking them out in public, we're probably fleeing an emotion that we're feeling. And so for me, I think realizing that emotion was a desperate need for calm and peace. Um, And when I couldn't control my environment, that would, you know, I'd feel escalated, I would feel out of control, and I would feel unsafe. And so I had to practically relearn the experience of if things aren't all calm, it's okay. If I don't have everything together at the same time, it's all right, because that's part of the process of how God is growing me. I'm not going to grow in patience, love, joy, peace, pain, you know, all the fruits of the spirit. If I'm not put in a circumstance of being challenged, um, I have like a amazing memory of, I think the twins were like two and a half months old and they were both screaming and the problem, not the problem with twins, but one of the difficulties is when you're holding both babies, you have no free arms. And I remember sitting on the family room floor with two screaming babies. And I had a one-year-old at the time who was crying and I had a four-year-old going, mom, mom, mom. And then my five-year-old was singing in the background. And I remember just sitting on the family room floor and just closing my eyes. And I think it's those circumstances where you want to go into a defeatist mentality of like, this is like, I can't do this. But for me, it was a feeling of like, Lord, you see this. Like, you know what I'm feeling. You know, this is overwhelming, but you're not displeased with me. We're okay. And you see me in the midst of this and I don't need to perform my way out of this. I think that the letting go piece, right? You're in the midst of absolute chaos and it comes to just accepting it, right? And even you could take that even going back to fitness or health, right? And if we're talking about fitness, that is more of a passion to, you know, be a certain Um, have certain abs or whatever that is. Right. 
versus health of just taking care of your body, which is so important and crucial, right. To be there. And if we accept our new bodies as moms, right. And accept that, you know, it's going to be loud all the time in the house and there's absolute chaos that we have no control over. Really. If you look at it, there is, there comes back to that freedom, right? Like it's just freeing. It's not on us to manage it all the time. Right. You know, we can discipline and train up our children and be good role models and all those, all of those things, but it's not in our control. Is it? No, it's not. And I think a big key, I love the verse that's everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And you can tease that verse out in so many ways in the ways that you parent, the decisions that you make, the choices that you make, but a big key for all of it is going to be a decision to be intentional with how you're living. I can intentionally wake up in the morning and remind myself that today is a day I get the privilege to serve my children. And I can choose like today is a day I'm intentionally like there, I call it boot camp in our house. And I'll tell the specific kid they're going to go through boot camp that day. But when I tell them they're going through boot camp, I will tell them specifically what they're going through it for. So I'll be intentional and be like, okay, my oldest, I'll be like, you're in boot camp today for disrespectful talk. Every single time you're disrespectful, you know, there's an immediate consequence on that. And that's one way that I found like that intentionality, then my eyes are just focused on that specific thing. And I let the rest of the stuff go, but setting the tone for the day with intentionality, I think is super crucial because it's letting yourself know, like, I am going to approach these situations, how I'm going to choose to, and I'm not just going to react to it. Um, And that's something that's just really helped me in motherhood over my short eight years is just being intentional with it, whatever that looks like. But the thing about intentionality that I love is you're the one choosing what it's going to look like. Yeah, that's so true. And it's interesting, the attention piece, right? Like that's going to be different for every mom, what their value system is and what the intention is for their family and for themselves. And I keep thinking, you know, for me currently in the season I'm in is that health and moving my body has honestly been on the back burner for me. And I can tell that it's, I'm deteriorating all over, you know, like I can tell I'm like, Oh, I need to move my body. And, you know, I can blame Minnesota weather all I want, but I I could move my body inside. Right. It's not just waiting for spring to finally come. And I think the intention piece has to maybe be reshaped for myself, right. In my mind and, and really lay out what are my values? What is important? What am I modeling? for my kids, right? What are they seeing? Well, and that's a good point too, because essentially what you're saying is explaining how comparison will completely be the thief of all joy. Because something you said that I think is really important is that every home, every mom decides what the culture is going to look like in that home. And if you have a certain set and I have a certain set of priorities that, you know, between you and your spouse or between you and the Lord, you have determined is important. I can't sit and look at another home if I'm being intentional in that process, because there's one thing to be lazy and compare, and it's another to be intentional and compare. I can't compare to another home because it's like, these are the choices we've made in our home. We've made a choice that this is what it's going to look like. So therefore that's going to dictate my decisions and looking at another mom or how another other family do it can be encouraging and inspirational, but that comparison is going to absolutely just wipe you out because your family culture is going to be your own family culture. It's not meant to be like somebody else's. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, 
I think, I mean, I hope that that's the highlight that certainly this podcast is trying to get across that everybody's got their own experiences, their own journey. You can't compare, right? Like I can, you know, we can look at your life and think something, or they could look at my life and think something, but they got to look at inward to find out what they want their life to look like. And you can take inspiration, like Uh, even though I'm not moving much in my current season in motherhood, I look and see what you're doing. And I say, wow, she can do it. Like she's got discipline in working out every day. What if I can be disciplined in doing it once a week or, you know, a couple of times, you know, that motivates me. So you can turn, I think some of the comparison into motivation and that intentionality piece, right? Yeah. And I think that's been huge too, over even some of like the shifts I've had fitness wise from running marathons to just lifting. And now I'm doing bodybuilding. Um, so I actually hired like a professional bodybuilding coach who gives me my workouts and sets my macros for me. And, um, it's fun to see how God has used like different seasons to bring me to a place where I am right now, where I have a check-in with someone every week and he tells me what a good or bad job I'm doing. And I take it. And it's just fun to be in a season where mentally I'm like, bring it on. I know at my last check-in, so I go in for these check-ins and he checks my body fat percentage and gives me some tough love. And he's like, you know, you used to be an A plus student. And he's like, you're kind of an A minus student now. Um, And for me as like an athlete, I'm like, oh no, that's like the feeling of like being told you're going to be benched. I was like, I'm not being benched. (laughs) but I, you know, it's that feeling of being like, all right, I I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to get back to that a plus I'm going to put the work in. Um, but for me, it's again, so much about the freedom of it. It's not about like a to-do list that I have to do. It's like we in Christ, we live and we move and we have our being and working out is just another expression of that, of knowing like there's freedom to move my body. I can work heartily under the Lord and working out can be part of that. It's not a punishment. It's not something you do to burn calories. Um, it's something that you do to experience joy and the benefits are just so astronomically high that I would do it two times a day if my coach let me, but I'm not allowed to work out two times a day. (laughs) I'm not even allowed to do cardio right now. Oh man. Yeah. I love, and I think there's probably so many moms who may have similar goal of wanting to run the marathon or, or build those abs And of course, then there's moms too, that we just need to start back at, you know, ground zero of just how do we be healthy, right? How do I eat breakfast in the morning? How do I drink water? How do I, you know, move my body, but also how do I rest my body? What does that look like? And I think that's an interesting area to kind of think of, you know, whoever's listening, right? Of where am I at? Where, where does my focus need to be and where does my intention need to be? Right. Yeah. And I think a huge part of it is being intentional and even asking the simple question, like, what do I, who do I want to be in five years? Yes. What, what do I want my life to look like in five years? Because what you'll find is, and this is like one of my favorite analogies, but let's say you have a coffee date with somebody at 7am tomorrow and they don't show, So you make it for the next day and they still don't show. And then the next day they don't show up and we continue this on for a couple of weeks. Eventually you'll just expect that they're not going to show, but then you're also going to stop asking them to show up. And I think of that so often in my relationship with myself, what I say to myself matters. If I tell myself I'm going to show up on a Thursday morning, you better believe I'm going to be there on a Thursday morning because I find myself of great value and worth, especially to the Lord. 
And because I believe I'm worthy of taking care of, I'm going to show up and follow through on my word. And I think we find as we continually do that, even in the little things like start small, I'm going to drink water. It's habit stacking is what it is. Start something easy. I'm going to drink a glass of water. When I follow through with that, I build that confidence in myself that I did what I said I was going to do. And over time, like I look at the things that I'm doing now and how I'm juggling pieces. If you would have showed this to me five years ago, I'd have been like, heck no, check me out. I can't do that. But it's slowly over a period of time, you learn, you can trust yourself. And that doesn't happen by sleeping in on yourself every day. It happens by those little intentional choices and starting small. I think that's the big mistake is the all or nothing thinking, because it's not just about fitness. Discipline breeds discipline. And when we're disciplined in one area, that fruit of discipline grows. And it's a lot easier. For instance, my kids are fighting. I could turn around the van and yell, right? We've all done it. We've all been there. And if you haven't, have another one more kid or have kids closer together and you'll find they're arguing. You can't get to the back of the van. You can turn around and yell, or I can have the discipline that's been practiced through small deliberate actions to take a deep breath and say, Hey guys, this is not okay behavior. I'm not moving this car another inch until I see some repentance between the two of you. And being able to kind of hit that pause button doesn't just happen. It happens from years of discipline and growth. And that's, again, why you can't spend time comparing to another mom is because she may have had to learn some lessons a little faster than you, but that with habit stacking and with building discipline, it's possible for everybody. So if you're wondering, like, where you want to get fit, where do I start? You start with just doing what you said you were going to do and start small. So that's going to look like drinking water. If you're not drinking water, I don't want, like, don't worry about losing 30 pounds. You got to drink that first glass of water. And then you got to eat that first chicken and pasta and broccoli meal that's healthy and nutritious and you made it in your own kitchen. And so starting with the small stuff builds that confidence that like, I can do hard stuff. Like I can do something difficult. And I get, I mean, I get messages constantly from women, like probably five or six messages a day at times being like, I hate my body. What do I do? And I think they're looking, what they're looking for is like, well, you should be eating this. You should be doing this. This is how you'll tone this. And instead the response that they're going to get from me is what happens if you just do the little things that you love? Like what happens if you just challenge yourself to take a walk every day? Because when you begin to trust yourself, you begin to have that faith that you can do hard things and that belief, how you look outwardly matters so much less because you have that confidence in your abilities. I know if I can get up every single day and read my Bible at five o'clock, have my workout in by 645 to be, before I even go see the kids, I can trust myself and I have confidence in myself. It doesn't matter what I look like anymore because I've built that belief that I'm capable of doing hard things. Um, and if I'm not capable of doing it, I believe that God's going to help me grow in certain ways that I need to learn it. Yeah. I like that idea too, of like, even if it is so hard to do that, even just the trying of it, you're going to still build more trust with yourself. Right. And the more you trust yourself, the more, you know, clarity you probably have on intentions for your family. And then that leads to that freedom. Again, we talked about earlier, right? Yeah. Hmm. What do you think in your experience in motherhood, what do you think has changed you the most? Yeah. You know, so I had two NICU babies, um, babies two and three had some heart issues when they were born. And, um, 
it was, they were, we were told it wasn't a genetic thing, but we were kind of unclear, didn't really um, know what was going on. And so I wasn't sure if we wanted to have any more kids because there was a spectrum of how bad this heart issue could be. And so when we got pregnant with the twins, it was twins is obviously like quite a surprise when it happens naturally. Um, and my immediate thought went to, they're going to be born premature. They're going to have the same heart issues and it's going to be catastrophic. And so I was seriously depressed when I found out I was pregnant with the twins. And it was really hard because a lot of judgment came at me. Like you should be so thankful. You know how many women would die to have twins. And I took that on really personally, but my depression wasn't because I didn't want children. It was because I was deathly afraid. I couldn't carry the the twins to full term. Um, And I wrote a narrative for their pregnancy that they were going to be born premature, that they were going to have the heart issues and it was going to be really, really bad. Um, and of course I did all the Google searches to reinforce those, that narrative that I had written. So my pregnancy with the twins was not pleasant physically, obviously it was excruciating, but it was more emotionally unpleasant because I was hundred percent stuck in a fear mentality. Um, we ended up going to almost 39 weeks and just to put it in perspective, I packed a NICU bag for three months when I went in for my C-section with the twins because, and I kissed my kids and I was like, I don't know when I'm going to see you guys. Like I was that far. And at that point also, I should add, I wasn't sleeping. Um, I hadn't slept for a couple of weeks because of, I had enough amniotic fluid for four babies. So things were just really rough. And I had a skin condition where I couldn't wear clothes on my stomach. And so I'd walk around in a sports bra in public too. And I just didn't even care anymore. Um, my neighbors like to remind me of that as well. I think what changed me the most was, you know, you get wheeled into a C-section room and I had already determined they were going to have this, these heart, heart issues that Baron and me had had. There were like 25 people in our delivery room because there were two NICU teams we were all prepared for everything that would happen and they came out and they were fine. Um, and I was in such a difficult place and I know not a lot of moms are going to understand this, but I'm going to share this part because I know that somebody else needs to feel the freedom in this. I could not hold the twins right away. I was unable to emotionally and physically, I had completely shut down. I was so locked in fear that it took me a long time. They wanted to bring the twins over to me. And I said, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't. Because in my mind, I'm still going with this narrative that's like, they're not okay. Like I did this to them, something with my body. I couldn't carry, you know. Um, So it took me a while to even hold the twins, but it was in that moment. And I'm not cry, but I have a picture of it because like what changed me the most in motherhood is realizing that we create narratives and we live our lives based on these narratives. And for nine months of a narrative, instead of celebrating like, holy crap, God, you did this. I was stuck in so much fear. But along with that fear was a deep shame of carrying the burden of I should be so thankful. I should be feeling this. I should be celebrating when I was terrified. And it didn't help to to add to it. It was the year of 2020. Everything had shut down. You know, we're not seeing people regularly. But what changed me the most in motherhood was having the narrative that I had written smashed. My twins were like 39 weeks, seven and a half pounds each, no NICU time. I actually got to take my babies home, which was a really weird thing for me after having two NICU babies before that. And I think what changed me was realizing the narratives we write about stuff isn't always true. 
And if we believe those lies, we're cultivating an entire life based off of falsehood. And I don't want to live that way. Mm. That is an incredible story. Seriously. I got goosebumps even listening to you talk about that because you're right. Narratives are so huge and the, the beauty of a narrative, right. Is that we can still change it. And I love to hear that you figured out like, wait a minute, like this isn't even the narrative that I thought was going to happen. And it's still even a narrative in your own personal journey in motherhood that is still changing and evolving. Right. So beautiful. Bethany, this has been a very great conversation. It's been covering so many good topics. It's hard to even know which one stood out to me the most, but I would love for our listeners to be able to come and find you more and hear more of your story and get to get to know you more. Where could they find you? Yeah. So Liz had mentioned, I'm also a licensed therapist. Um, and I have like, you don't want to talk about God moving. I now work out of a private practice out of a church, but in the last, like a little over the decade that I've been a therapist, I've really seen that there's a missing gap and there's women who want to make changes, but don't necessarily need therapy. They're ready to move forward. And so recently I started an online mindset coaching business that comes with webinars that I'm recording and courses I'm writing, and it's been super good and challenging. But if you want to know more about that, you can follow me at mindsetmakeoverwithbethany.org. Otherwise on Instagram, life period with period Bethany G where I'm always trying to share a little bit more. You'll get some fitness content yet again. I don't know why I share my fitness life. It's a passion. It's like it's at a this passion. point, I, just don't, <laughs> I can't stop. It's a passion. Um, I get messages that are like, Hey, do you, you know, are you a fitness trainer? I'm like, no, I just share my workouts. I don't know why, but you can find me there. And if anyone ever wants mindset coaching too, I think it's an awesome opportunity to just start to actually make some forward movement changes. Awesome. Yeah. I will be sure to link all of that information in the show notes below. And I would just love for anyone who really found value in this to follow along at Experience Motherhood and go ahead and just share this podcast episode with anyone that you feel like would benefit. And until next time, go experience motherhood.